Welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast, an examination of the Bible and how parents can apply God's Word to raising kids in a culture saturated with media and technology. We look at everyday issues from a biblical worldview so that you can trust the sufficiency of Scripture and apply its truth to your life as you raise and disciple your kids. Hello, and welcome back to the Brave Parenting Podcast. I want to start today's episode by saying that this is not going to be a kid-friendly episode. So if you're listening with your kids around, you might want to pause and come back later when you're alone. This is because we are going to be discussing pornography, children, and all that that entails. Today is the 1st of November, and this kicks off the growing movement of No Porn November. We have a series of three episodes, including this one, that will hopefully illuminate and equip God's people to stand against pornography. So stay tuned over the next couple of weeks because we're going to be looking at different aspects of the pornography industry each week. And we're really not going to be holding anything back in today's discussion or in the next two weeks because it's just too serious of an issue. And frankly, it hasn't been taken seriously enough. All right. As always, joining me on today's show is Chelsea Hazel. Good morning. Hello there. It is early, isn't it, right now? It is very early for us. It is early. Yes. But um, yeah, I'm excited. Well, I take that back. Excited is not the word to use, but definitely thankful. Thankful that we're getting the chance to bring this very dark topic into the light. I truly believe it is time for God's people to be serious about purity because pornography addiction um, is as much a problem inside the church as it is um, inside the world. And um, however, that said, I want to acknowledge that there there might be parents listening or um, even older teens listening who are not saved, but or rather they haven't committed their lives to following Christ by faith. Our message today is really directed towards God's people, those who have come to saving faith by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ and our redeemed people, their new creations, as scripture tells us, indwelt by the Holy Spirit and are actively pursuing God. Furthermore, we understand that there are listeners who have children who are not saved. But nonetheless, we actually believe, we truly believe that there is truth and hope to help you navigate this cultural moment of online pornography. But we really just don't want you guys or even ourselves to walk away from this episode with just a whole bunch of facts because facts are not really going to change people. So yes, we have resources throughout the show and in the show notes for our listeners Mm -hmm. today, but our aim is for the heart, isn't it, Kelly? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like you said, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to listen to this and think that we're prudes or whatever. There's going to have very different ideas, but we are talking to God's people, God's family. You know, Jesus says to his family, my family is those who hear the word of God and do it. So that's that's kind of what we want. We're going to be talking about the heart, but we're also going to be preparing our listeners to do something, to do that next step, to hear the word of God and then do it. Um, Whether that may be having a discussion about pornography, looking through devices, watching a documentary, you know, having those conversations, we're going to be providing you with do something next steps all along the way. And that's our goal is to lead you there. But as we said, our conversation is really about the heart rather than the facts. And it's really not about behavior, right? Pornography isn't just a behavior issue. Behaviors are the fruit of what we see produced when something is rooted in the heart. And today we want to get to that root. So before we get any further, to help establish our foundation here, let's define our terms. 
because I think this will really help the listener tremendously. Chelsea, what you got? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I was just listening to a podcast the other day and they said the first thing that people do to try to justify their sin is redefine their terms, redefine mm-hmm. the definitions because yep. they want to wash it up and make it look nice. So yeah, absolutely. So dictionary.com says that pornography is printed or visual material containing the explicit description or display of sexual organs or activity intended to stimulate erotic rather than aesthetic or emotional feelings. And honestly, Kyle, I think we should just really expand that definition, thread it out with our understanding of scripture and say that pornography isn't just sexual gratification. It's the abuse of the body. It's the hardening of the heart. It's the searing of our consciences against God. It's also underage abuse it's human trafficking, it's drugs, it's violence, and maybe even so much more that has yet to be exposed. And I think, so what you just said, we can, we can define this from scripture. So not only is it that visual um, or printed material, but we have to understand this through scripture. And what Chelsea just said, if you heard correctly, you know, she said that pornography is abuse of the body. That's 1 Corinthians 6, 15 through 20. And it's mm-hmm. the searing of our consciences against God. First Timothy 4, 1 and 2. Both of these issues of abusing the body and searing our consciences against God, which is kind of just like the hardening of the heart, that's all issues of the heart, mm-hmm. right? There's this popular motif that, you know, pornography doesn't hurt anyone. You know, I can just do it because it's not hurting anybody else. Well, we're going to expose that for what it is, which is a really massively destructive lie because pornography does hurt people. Foremost, it hurts the people that consume it, right? It is abuse Mm -hmm. against your own body. But there's also collateral damage that is done to families, women, children, communities, and ultimately, right, God's church. And moreover, pornography is not only fueling all of this pain and hurt, but those companies are profiting immensely. They are profiting mm-hmm. immensely from all this hurt. Yep, yep. Uh, just a few weeks ago, I was at a uh, missionary conference at my church, and the speaker asked, why do we do the work of missions? I had actually never heard this answer before, but he said, we go on missions because we are grieved in our hearts that God is not getting the glory he is due. And that just stuck with me as we worked on this episode. Kelly, it should grieve us. And by us, I mean God's people, that he is not getting the glory he's due by living lives of purity. I have to ask the listener as much as I ask myself this, like, are you grieved by the sinfulness and the the prevalence of pornography? I mean, like, Mm -hmm. truly, are you? Like, take a hot moment, a a solid moment, a sober-minded moment to think about it. Because he really should... we really should be because he is due glory through our bodies, which he created. I mean, Romans 1, 2. This is an act of spiritual worship, that the putting our bodies up is an act of spiritual worship. Yes, everything that we do should be an act of spiritual worship. And I literally mean everything, like something so simple as like washing the dishes because he provided all of it. And we can worship him or you and I can worship him as we wash our dishes, even though it can seem like a a meaningless task, but Romans eleven thirty six says, "From him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever and ever." Amen. And we have been praying. Actually, last night I was super sleepless because I was just praying. I was praying that this episode would stir up our hearts to grieve, and then to do what God's word says, not what culture says and allows. 
and to encourage our other brothers and sisters to do the same. And as people of God, we've really got to start believing that when we abstain from things like pornography or sex before marriage or homosexuality and whatever else the secular medical and counseling communities would call like innocent or necessary, especially what we're about to cover um, without like any source of stimuli, then we really have to understand that when we abstain from these things, we truly are worshiping God because that's what he is called good. And he is due that worship. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, 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 yes. And so often, sexual purity is taught through a lens of, well, sexual, sexual immorality hurts you, but it doesn't hurt others. And, and I get where that's coming from because of Scripture, but it's only a half-truth, right? Scripture does say that it is a sin against our own body, whereas other sins that we commit are outside of our body. Okay, so we get that. But there's the other half that's often forgotten, that sexual immorality grieves a holy God. But unfortunately, in today's day and age, we're not fearing God anymore. Instead, we're fearing that our emotions and our desires are not going to be satisfied. Or worse, as parents, we fear our children's feelings and desires, um, that they're going to be you know, upset with us or not going to like us. And so we allow smartphones and we allow the internet while all neglecting hard topics like this. And so, let, I mean, you've probably heard me talk about this before. Uh, you know, Brave Parenting's been around. We've been doing this um, six years now. And all along the way, we've talked to a lot of people. And I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with parents who have found out their kids have been watching porn, um, been consuming it for a while. And sadly, it's common. And, you know, talking to these parents, I, I always find that there are, there are two types of parents, really. First, I just want to, I don't know what camp you're going to find yourself in, but I just want to identify this. There are the parents who, do not want to find out. <laughs> they don't want to find out yes or no if their child has been exposed or is consuming porn, especially the younger they are. And this is really that fellow parent who kind of buries their head in the sand, plugs their ears, covers their eyes, and just sings la 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 la. Because if, if they find out their child is watching pornography, then you have to do something about it. And that's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of hard conversations, a lot of awkwardness. Both the parent and the child have to face the shame of it, which already the fact that we know that there's going to be shame in that knows that this is wrong, right? Um, and it's gut-wrenching and it's soul-crushing. We know this. But then there's the other side of the coin, which is the parents who they've already discovered it. Whether you want it to know or not, it's been discovered. It's been exposed. And, and now you, you are dealing with it. And so our goal is to help both of those parents. If we, whichever side of the coin you find yourself on that we don't want your, you burying your head in the sand. Pornography should grieve your heart. And therefore, no matter what the cost is, the love you have for your child and you have for the Lord must be enough to, to do something to bring the sin into light. So we really do need parents to care enough about this issue to do something. So that brings us to our first do something. We're going to have several of these throughout the whole podcast. So your first do something is to have a conversation about the dangers of pornography with your children and or anyone you allow on the internet. And maybe it starts with your husband. Maybe you're just like, hey, we need to talk about this. We need to have our conversation with our kids. How are we going to approach this? You know what? That's a fine step. Even if you have, don't have it with your kids yet, make sure that you and your husband are on the same page. Um, maybe you're not having a conversation with your kids yet, but you're checking devices. 
you know, do you have Safe Search turned on on Google Chrome, Safari, or whatever browser you're using? Um, can you check the browser history on the devices your kids are using? You just make sure that they haven't been exposed. Um, don't forget the game consoles, right? They can easily access um, the internet and pornography as well on those type of consoles and platforms. So wherever you're at, wherever your kids are at in using the internet, there is something that you can do today, this week, in order to make one step forward in addressing this issue and kind of pulling our heads out of the sand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those are good. Those are good do somethings. So before we get into our main points, I think it would be really valuable, Kelly, for our listeners to grasp kind of like the gravity of this issue, this issue by just reviewing some stats about the state of pornography in our cultural moment. Um, some of these stats are pulled from Covenant Eyes, which for those of you who don't know, is an accountability program that helps people walk in the freedom of purity. It is a fantastic program. Cannot speak highly enough about it. Okay, so our first stat. One in five searches on a mobile device is for pornography. 90% of teens and 96% of young adults are either encouraging, accepting, or neutral when they talk about porn with their friends. So that so, means it's getting worse as, as they get older. Well, that means only 10% of our teens are actually saying, like, are actually shocked, saying, what? You're yeah. watching porn? Like, oh, no, that's bad. That's a real yeah. small percentage. Real small. Yeah. And then only 4% of our young adults yeah. Only 4%. That's a crazy small amount. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the next stat, teens and young adults between 13 and 24 believe that not recycling, not recycling is worse than viewing pornography. Um, so now hold on. No, I just, we all know this. <laughs> this just goes to the, the media telling them that the world's going to end because of the climate change. Yeah. And the fact yeah. that we're not recycling, but no one, no one in the media no one anywhere is saying that the world's going to end because of pornography. I mean, that's just it. That's what it's interesting because the Bible calls it like literal death, yeah. like death. <laughs> and people are more afraid to yeah. not recycle a Coke can than they are about the uh, abuse um, of their the bodies. Lack of humanity. And, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And other people's bodies. Or the yeah. abuse of others. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then this last one. Um, a 2016, 2016 sorry, study on Canadian adolescents showed that 45.3% admitted to problems with erectile dysfunction. So, Kelly, that means that adolescents, yeah, like teenagers, like teenagers, right? So that means that they've actually been using and abusing pretty intensely um, and pretty frequently for a long time for them already to mm -hmm. be experiencing erectile dysfunction. Right. They did not wake up one morning and be like, oh, no, like, no, no, this is this is an ongoing problem. Yeah. And the fact that that's starting so young, I mean, yeah. we, we know, I mean, we, we know this is a big thing for, you know, pretty much any man over 40. <laughs> right. And so right. here we've got it's this. True. This is starting at, 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 you know, teen level. So that, yeah, that's going to yeah, affect 14, the, 16. That's going to well. affect your whole life. That affects your whole yeah. life. Yeah. Because once you see that, those images, you can't mm -hmm. unsee it. Your body, like the physiology of your body may come back into alignment. But yeah, now you have to fight that battle of mm -hmm. everything you've seen. Oof. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Okay. So then we've got some other stats. Um, okay. Now these are actually poured, pulled from Pornhub. Um, Pornhub is, well, I don't think I need to. It's the largest internet pornography site. I don't feel like I should have to define that, but in case someone needs to know, well, I mean... I was just recently telling my mom about this podcast and she had never heard of it, which made me happy. 
So that's I. But that's, she's, that made me happy too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but she's a boomer, so <laughs> yeah, it's true. Okay, eighty-five um, percent of Pornhub traffic in the U.S. comes from smartphones, and only twelve percent from desktop. So it's personal you can walk with it. Personal, yeah, personal mm-hmm. devices. Twenty-five percent of visitors are between the ages of eighteen and twenty-four. <clears throat> and it's important to note that while Pornhub fully knows, fully knows, folks that kids under 18 are watching, they cannot legally report any stat mm-hmm. on on people under 18. I, Kelly, there are no words. There are words, but they're fleshly words, and I'm not going to say them. <laughs> um, 26% of visitors are the age between the ages of 25 and 34, and 21% of the visitors are between 35 and 44. 33% of U.S. visitors to Pornhub are female. Now, that was an interesting statistic to it's me because yeah. it's – yeah, it's always been that men are higher, but women are steadily climbing in this. Yep. And it used to just kind of be like erotic novels was their thing, but no, we're we're going somewhere else with this. Yeah. Um, yeah. The average length of the visit to Pornhub is only nine minutes and forty-four seconds. So that's all it takes. It's all it takes. They'll leave your child alone with their smartphone for nine minutes. That can be like the length of the time that they're, you know, in the bathroom, the shower. I mean, like it, like we were, sadly, we just have to be real. It, this is, this is really fast. That's the average. I mean, that's a pretty low average. I mean, this is not something that people are doing for hours. It's a go on, get pleasure, and they're done. Yeah. Sadly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mo- the most popular search in the U.S. on Pornhub is called hentai, which in Japanese culture refers to any sexual fetish. And this is where anime comes in. And I think we'll probably do a future podcast on sexual immorality and anime mm-hmm. or the metaverse where it's common, yeah. folks. It's And then um, during COVID-19 uh, or during the lockdown, excuse me, in, of COVID-19 between March and April of 2022, Pornhub offered free accounts, Kelly. They were deemed an essential service. Can you believe that? Yeah, 2020. Uh, the, the lockdown's yeah. of 2020. You said, yeah. you said 2022. But. <laughs> I did? Yeah. It feels like 20, it's 2020 plus two. It's, okay, <laughs> that's like... <laughs> Not that no one, everybody knows. We know when those lockdowns right. were. <laughs> right, right. So. But yeah, they yeah. were deemed Necessary. an essential service. Yeah, essential yeah. service. Wasn't that nice of them? Free services. That was so Gosh. nice. Now, we're going to get to the stats, folks, that are really hard to hear. Um, and these are probably the most grievous stats. One in five youth pastors and one in seven youth pa- or one in seven senior pastors use porn on a regular basis and are currently struggling. That's more than 50,000 U.S. church leaders. This is where our heart is truly grieved, and we pray that yours Mm -hmm. will be too. We are praying that people of the church come alongside their leaders, their brothers and sisters, and take up the role of being a helper. Yeah. Uh, Kelly, I just, I mean, if we need to hit, like, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that brings us to our second do something. And really, this ultimately could be the first one, but just the way that we uh, laid this out, this second do something is to pray. It may seem like this is someone else's problem. This is your personal problem. Like, that's not my personal problem. Um, and, or maybe it seems like pornography is too big of a problem that it's impossible to tame or even make a difference. 
I know that Chelsea and I can struggle with this sometimes. Like, should we even make this podcast? Um, first, take a moment to pause and to pray. This is what we as God's people do. We pray that the almighty power of God goes forward and does what we cannot do, right? To fight our battles for us. And this is a battle that really needs to be fought. Um, We need to pray. We need to pray for our church pastors. We need to pray for the leadership team, the youth pastors. Pray that the Holy Spirit begins moving on their hearts and in yours and for his word to really start dividing spirit and soul, judging the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And pray all of his people would remember that nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight and that everything is uncovered and laid bare before him in the eyes of him who we must give an account. That's Hebrews 4, 12 through 14, right? So if you need to hit pause right now, hit pause and just say a prayer for your church leadership. Say a prayer for the church leadership of around the country. This is an issue that definitely we need God to fight our battles for. Okay. In John MacArthur's book, Christ's Call to Reform the Church, he says this, quote, the descent into apostasy. Now, apostasy is kind of a fancy word that basically uh, that refers to denying your faith. So the descent into apostasy doesn't happen overnight. The changes are slow and steady, end quote. So we know this, right? Now, listeners, I'm not saying that all those who view pornography are apostate. You know, it's very hard to be watching pornography in And you can still be loving the Lord and still trying to follow the Lord because pornography is just that insidious. So we're not saying that you're all apostate, (laughs) but nothing ever jumps from point A to point Z. And this is so imperative in this conversation because, for example, right, a normal teenager doesn't wake up one day and decide, I'm going to get a gun and go into an elementary school. There are steps B through Y that have to be acknowledged. So what I'm saying is all these things that we're seeing right now in our, in our children's generation. So that may be like the teen mental health crisis, um, violence against women, the rise of human trafficking, um, the inception of acceptable pedophilia, because, you know, this all comes from the porn industry. So just wait, we're going to, we're going to get there. Like all these things did not just pop up. We are slowly, and I mean, and when I say slowly, I mean, we're talking probably like centuries, like sexual revolution has been going on for a couple of centuries. This stuff didn't just pop up, but we might, we're really kind of nearing the end of the alphabet. (laughs) So we really feel that this is urgent. So we all need to kind of wake up and pray, pray about these things, because if we can slow down the progression to get to Z, I don't know what Z looks like. I, I don't know. But I don't want to know. I don't want to hope the rapture happens before that because <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't want to find out. But um, this is definitely an issue that we, like I said, we just need to pray for. Absolutely. Okay. <clears throat> so we are going to get into the first big area that we kind of have to address biblically, and it's going to sound a little awkward. And honestly, Kelly, it kind of does feel a little awkward. But we we have to talk about this. Like, it's there's, true. There's no way we can skip over this. I'm just going to be honest. Um, I mean, to say these words over, you know, public. <laughs> platform. It's kind it's of, true. it's a little weird. We gave a whole practice run of this and mm-hmm. we were like whispering these words, but we're going to be bold. Yeah. God, God's going to be bold. Yeah. <laughs> He's yes. Okay. Our first topic is masturbation. 
And I have heard from good God-fearing Christians that, quote, boys just need to do this, unquote, or it's, quote, just who they are, unquote. Now, I don't know if it was Freud, but I really think he had a big play in this. But Freud, I, his ideas sparked so much of the sexual revolution, and he promoted the idea that youthful masturbation was a healthy way to form one's sexual identity. And that guilt and shame would harm their sexual identities as adults. And the church synthesized with that, didn't they? A little bit. Slowly, slowly, you know, as we gave up counseling within the church and it went over to the secular communities. And we really need to talk about this because it is directly correlated to pornography. We have to do the hard work of wrestling with the idea that we've all been trained to believe. And that is, well, masturbation is just a natural part of life. It's just what boys do. Because in case you weren't sure, this is not biblical. Now, unfortunately, this has become a sort of an off-the-table topic among parents. And I think it's because everyone has just bought into this lie that it's normal or even healthy behavior. But this is not something that we can encourage or affirm for our young boys and girls because it is outside God's command of sex. It is not hard to see as a Christian today that we have lost sight of God's design and command for sex. And at the crux of this argument is absolutely the individual's heart. If a boy or girl masturbates, even without actual images in front of them, they are still succumbing to lust in their heart. In Matthew 5, 28, Jesus elevates this command by declaring that it wasn't just adultery that was the sin, but even looking at a woman lustfully was a sin. Whether that image um, is is imagined or seen, lust acted on is still a sin. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. we can't. And Kel, can I just jump in? Can I? Well, not jump in. Is I'm talking right now, but like Jesus even said, if it's so bad, pluck out your eyeball. Like that's how far. Yeah. That's how radical we should go to get rid of um, the temptations mm-hmm. in our lives. Yeah masturbation it just means experiencing it's it's experiencing pleasure outside of god's command which is that sex can be and should be enjoyed inside marriage but outside of marriage the command is purity it has always been that way regardless of cultural changes or um gender we cannot deem the bible irrelevant just because we think we're culturally Uh advanced no uh Mm -mm. remember that we are looking at our hearts on these topics and let me just tell y'all our hearts have not changed over the past four to ten thousand years we still got the same problems. Yeah. Just new ways of, of, of uh, experiencing them. Yep. So what's going on in our heart? What is going on in our heart to make us veer so far from scripture? Is it that they just want what they want and they want it now? Or maybe the person just doesn't know God's command for sexual purity and that masturbation is sinful? I mean, what I, do you think, Hell? I do think that it is part of that. I think yeah. that I would have said early on raising boys that I probably believed that until yeah, I absolutely. actually saw it what scripture said. And I really had, yeah. I thought deeply about it. I would have absolutely hands down said that, yeah, this is, this is just what first centuries boys do or, and now even girls or whatever. Right. But you know, Chelsea, our approach to sexual purity, it really does stem back to the sufficiency of scripture. You know, we right. talk about why we have this bright, bright parenting podcast in the intro to every episode. We talk about the sufficiency of scripture. So you can believe in the f- sufficiency so that's the question. Mm-hmm. Do we believe that scripture is not only God's word, that it is authoritative and that it is sufficient? Do we yeah, believe it's that? It's both. Yeah. You know, because 
-hmm. Is the word all we need to direct our behavior and inform our decisions? Or do we need something else or someone else, right? This is a question Mm -hmm. we have to wrestle with. Do I need scripture plus my feelings? Mm -hmm. Or do we need scripture plus social media? (laughs) Yeah. James one Or scripture plus Freud. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. Yeah. James Mm -hmm. 122 says, don't just merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. And Mm -hmm. as Christians, we must believe in the sufficiency of scripture, that it is sufficient for all life and godliness, like Paul tells Titus, and that it is absolutely possible to walk out purity in our lives. Not just because God's word is authoritative and it tells us to, because it is also sufficient, which means it is going to lead us to life, not death. And this is really the crux of it. So, I mean, you, you can't just say, oh, well, that's true for those like really radical Christians. No, it's every Christian. If you believe the, in God, if you, you know, believe the Bible, this is just what it says. You have to do it. So knowing that scripture is sufficient, let me break down this topic biblically for our listeners with a little help from the biblical counselor, Heath Lambert. Heath also wrote a book um, called Finally Free, Finding for Purity and the Power of Grace. We're going to link that in the show notes and mention it again later. Um, so Heath writes this as the five reasons from scripture why a Christian cannot masturbate. Okay, so reason number one is that Jesus said that purity begins in the soul. Matthew 5, 27 and 28, Jesus says, quote, You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. End quote. So purity is not just a behavior. It's an issue of the heart. And you cannot engage in masturbation without lust in your heart. It's just it. That's defined straight from the mouth of Jesus. Sexual pleasure does not happen in a vacuum. All right. The second reason why it is against Christianity to masturbate is 1 Corinthians 6, 18. It says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but sexual, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. And this is what I mentioned before. Again, this is outside of a one-man, one-woman marriage, right? That's what sex is for. So anything outside that one-man, one-woman marriage is therefore immoral, cut and dry. Number three, sex is unitive, not singular, right? First Corinthians 7, 5 says, do not deprive one another except perhaps by agreement for a limited time that you may devote yourselves to prayer, but then come together again so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So this is referring to marriage. Even in marriage, it's not okay for for pornography use or masturbation because God's idea of sex is for a man and woman to come together, right? And that temptation that he refers to that that Satan may not tempt you may mean that you'd be masturbating because you and your wife are, you know, not currently having sex for whatever reason, right? So number four reason why Christians should not masturbate is self-control. Galatians 5.22 lists self-control as a fruit of the Spirit. As Heath Lambert puts it, quote, we are called to an attitude that is possible by the grace of Jesus Christ that he has given us, and that is full of self-control. We don't have to gratify every single desire that we have, even though culture tells us to right now. Instead, we should control ourselves. We should say no to some things so that the biblical command to self 
to self-control will mean that Christians should not masturbate, end quote. I mean, self-control is just one of those virtues that is just so degraded and, and downplayed now in our culture, and it's time to bring it back. And then number five, the fifth reason why Christians should not masturbate, and that's consequences. The Bible is clear that there are consequences to sexual sin. So let me read you from Proverbs 6, starting verse 27. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without burning, without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? These are hypothetical questions, and the answer, of course, is no. No, he cannot, right? There are going to be some sort of consequences if you heap fire onto your lap. <laughs> That's just it. And just like we as parents don't spell out every possible consequence for the child to weigh them on the scales of risk versus pleasure, our Heavenly Father just states there are consequences, period. End of discussion. There are consequences, and that's just it. So those five reasons are straight from Scripture that they provide it. That was really good, Kelly. I, I really appreciated that. I hope our listeners really appreciated it. And if you... We're like, wow, I have never heard this before. This is brand new information. Then I would encourage you to head over to the Truth and Love podcast. Actually, just subscribe to it. Um, it's fantastic. It's a biblical counseling podcast. But that, um, if you if you liked what you heard, then it's episode number one hundred two on the Truth and Love podcast. But you're right. We have to talk about this first. We have to. We have to. We have to. Because pornography and masturbation, unfortunately, they just go together. Mm-hmm. No one, no one's watching porn for the cinematography or for the storyline. No, they are absolutely using it for personal pleasure. But I know, here's the thing, Kelly, I know that someone will ask, well, what if they're not using images, whether it's like pictures or videos, is that wrong? Because the medical and secular counseling community say that this is innocent and fine. But no, as we've just traveled through scripture, um, it says very easily that this is actually, it's a gateway to deeper sin. Like what, what you just said about the coals on your lap, it's, it's going to get a lot worse if you put coals on your lap. Like mm -hmm. you, you cannot, it just, yeah. The problem isn't the nuances of how it's done. It's the why. Then the answer is the heart. Yep. The heart is lusting and the heart wants pleasure. You're right. It's. Yeah. I, You're right. I mean, and if we don't tell our kids, like walk this through them, like this is what your flesh is going to want to do. But this is what scripture says. This is how we teach our kids self-control. I mean, this is just it. And they may not know this straight up because the flesh will lead them away. Um, and you're right. There are a lot of Christians out there who are going to be ready to make arguments against what we're saying. So let's just let's look at these potential rebuttals while remembering the difference between the outward behavior and the heart's desire. So some will say, okay, yeah, I agree. Porn is bad. But masturbation is fine as long as porn isn't the stimulus. Well, I say defend this with scripture. Can you? I mean, I don't think you can. Because ultimately, this is just an attempt of a biblical loophole. Saying that because it isn't with another person, an actual physical person, you know, maybe, or even if it's not with a picture or a video, right? It isn't sin. And, you know, obviously this question is being raised in the metaverse right now as well. Like if someone enters into this virtual reality space and engages sexually with someone, it isn't real, so it isn't a sin. Well, again, Jesus said, even looking at someone lustfully was adultery in the heart. 
So yes, any sexual lust or pleasure outside of marriage is technically a sin. And whether it's in the metaverse with another person, whether with images or even in the imagination, it's pretty clear cut from the mouth of Jesus. I mean, I think the next thing that someone may argue is that porn is okay if you're not married. Or even worse, it's okay if, as long as your spouse knows about it. And this is how Satan gets people from A to Z, y'all. <laughs> these are these little justifications. I mean, oh, it's okay because my wife knows. Oh, it's okay because we're going to watch it together. You know, it's okay. <laughs> well, before you know it, you're justifying child pornography. It's like, what, what in the world? <laughs> yep, it's true because you don't know where to draw the line. If yeah. you're going to say yes to something as innocent as masturbation... Yeah, the line is just going to continually to get pushed. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You're going to, yeah, you'll keep moving that goalpost. Yep. Yes. I I can imagine that some of the science-driven rebuttals to this, like, well, adolescent boys have such a high level of testosterone that they just have to. They cannot not do this because their bodies just need to be relieved. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, folks. I can't find it anywhere in the Bible that God puts qualifiers on self-control based on gender. No, he expects both men and women will be self-controlled. Yeah. God's intelligent design of the human body allows for its own internal and nocturnal ways of taking care of the issue. No young man has ever died due to this issue, to my knowledge. I've not heard I just, of it. I've not, I've not heard of it. Like, nope. no, it's not necessary to live. Like, no. And I just need to, I need to ask you guys, and I, Kelly, this just really makes me think though, but didn't Jesus have testosterone? Fully man. I mean, the mis yes, the mystery of Christ is that he was fully man and fully God. So shouldn't we encourage our young boys and our husbands and, and our brothers in Christ to appeal to the human nature of Christ and how he was able to control his body? But I mean, I guess is, you know, as it gets, as it raises, as the percentage raises for women, we should really be encouraging women. Look, your Lord and Savior controlled his body. You can too. You may not have the same levels of testosterone, but he was able to control his body Therefore, as his daughter, you should too. Now, I just think, Cal, that we've argued rather effectively with scriptures that you've presented that the issue really isn't necessarily the stimulus, but it's with the heart. It's with lust in the heart. A person cannot engage in masturbation, the outward behavior, that's the outward behavior, and not also engage in lust. The two are not inseparable. Mm -hmm. This is a sexual sin committed against oneself. Scripture is fully um, explicit and sufficient here in providing what we need to have a biblical worldview of masturbation. So now we have our third do something. Create a plan to talk to your husband, talk to your sons, talk to your parenting friends about this topic. It might seem awkward, but I guarantee you other parents are, are questioning and, and when your boys turn like 12, 13, 14, you know, like this, you all are thinking the same thing. So have these conversations because this misguided assumption that it is okay and that it's not sinful, um, it's not going to change until we as a church, we as Christians can really get on the same page so that our sons are not getting the same misguided messages, right? We all need to know what scripture says. And I really, I think that that starts with just having simple conversations with your husband. Does your husband feel the same way? You know, can you get on the same page with him? Because that's going to have to happen. Um, have him, you know, go through these scriptures. Uh, talk to your girlfriends if, you know, you're a woman listening to this, whatever that takes. Um, I think that this is, this is the next really great do something is to start to get more people on board on this, the same place that scripture has led us that we've just gone astray. 
Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, take that truth and love podcast and shoot it over to like a a best friend and be like, whoa, I've never heard this before. What do you think of it? You know what I mean? Just don't even be the one that has to start the conversation. Let someone, let the podcast start the conversation for you. Absolutely. Um, Okay, those are great. I love that. Do something. So now we're going to begin walking through the issue of porn itself. Now, let me start by saying that as we were prepping for this episode, Kelly, I know I was, I know you were, we were shocked. We were shocked by what some of the biblical counselors had to say about the issue. For instance, one counselor brought up that more often than not, when counselors begin to work with a counselee who has an addiction to pornography, they're dealing with a young adult in their 20s who's actually been abusing their bodies for years. It can be a deeply rooted problem that's been ongoing for 10 to 15 years. And that's a young person, 20 years old, that's young in the grand scheme of things, but they've had this problem for 10 to 15 years. Yeah. If you start, you start at 14 or 15, I mean, you're in your late twenties. Absolutely. Absolutely. And unfortunately it is all dependent upon when the counselee was given a personal device because that statistic, only 12% of pornography is viewed on a desktop. The rest of it is all on a personal device. So that's the intersection right there, isn't Kelly? Kelly, I think some people might be like, well, brave parenting, stay in your lane. Aren't you guys all about media and technology? Well, here we go right here. This is, this, this is the intersection. This is the crossroads, right? Child and device. And this is critical to understand because accessibility to porn is so easy. And when, as in like what age, pornographic images are initially viewed is a really important factor because the younger a child is exposed to pornographic images, the more damage this child will experience. The brain kind of develops like um, back to front. And in the front is that prefrontal cortex, which is responsible for impulse control, inhibition, and so much more. And the child literally does not have that. They, They don't have a prefrontal cortex. So then they accidentally find something and they can't stop clicking. They don't know how to stop because the development is not there. Mm-hmm. It's not there. Right. Because they could they could see something and they're going to feel shocked, horror, but they could also feel excitement and curiosity all at the same yeah. time. And a young person just does not even know what to do with those feelings. And so often yeah. I think, you know, they're just like, well, let me try and figure this out by clicking on more. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So we've got to state what we probably all know. And this is unfortunate. The content that young children are exposed to is nothing like the the magazines of our parents' youth. The nudity and sex that you and I were exposed to as kids is actually the softcore stuff now, and it's really hard to find. Today's pornography is demeaning. It's violent. It involves coerced and non-consenting women and children, if we define them under the age of 18. And truly some of the most vile things you can imagine. A 2020 study published in the Archives of Sexual Behavior found that between 35% and 45% of porn examined across 4,000 websites. Now, y'all, that's a small drop in the bucket. Let me tell you, there are a ton of pornography websites. But over these 4,000 websites, it contained depictions of violence almost always towards women almost always. And in today's porn, violent and demeaning sex is among the most common. Choking, kicking, slapping, and punching are met with the portrayal of acceptance and pleasure. And several studies have found that in males as young as 14, frequent pornography usage is correlated 
to an accepting stance towards raping a girl. Similarly, another study based in Sweden found that 70% of high school boys who were frequent users of pornography, including that which features violence and the sexual abuse of children and animals, reported that porn made them want to try what they had seen. Pornography. 70%. 70%. 70%, yeah. That's a lot. It's... I mean the 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 mashup of pornography, children and violence. And this is what kids are clicking through. Yeah. This is why maybe because they accidentally found it and they couldn't stop, Kelly? What do you think? I, I mean, do you, uh, I don't know. I kind of it's, it's partially. I mean, partial. Yeah, but not exactly. That's not a full truth, is it? No. Because according to the organization Moral Revolution, um, almost half of teens, 45% of teens who consumed porn did so to learn about sex. So it's not really accidental, is it? Well, it's, you know, a, it's a half average, and a half, yeah. It's a half, yeah. The, the average age of exposure to porn is around 11, but actually some researchers are starting to argue that it's as young as seven. So if this is the new sex education, then what are kids learning, Kelly? Mm. I mean, what's going on? Hey, you know what? You know what also happens around ages 7 to 11? Mm. <laughs> they get mm. a phone. Y'all, I'm going to sound like a broke. Y'all, I know. <laughs> I'm bringing out my Texas. I'm going to sound like a broken record every single podcast, but we cannot emphasize this enough. Yeah. Don't give your child a phone until it's absolutely necessary. And when you do, disable the browser. A seven-year-old does not need the full access to the internet, right? Take away their ability to download apps and only, you know, allow apps that don't have backdoor access to the internet. We've gone through this before in in numerous podcasts. This is your responsibility. And let me add, if your child has an Xbox or a PlayStation, this is always the forgotten space. They can easily access porn through these, these consoles. So you have to disable the browsers. Now I know. Parents are going to tell me that if, you know, if they don't see it on their phone, they're going to see it on their peer's phone or their friend's devices. And it's true. Mm-hmm. And this is why you have to have open, real, real conversations with your parenting friends, with your kids, friends, parents, so that you are all on board together. This we can and we must together as long as possible prevent the exposure to young kids. Because as Chelsea just went through, this is not just seeing a naked woman or a naked man. This is, I mean, they can see some violent and horrific stuff. And so he, this is a, another another crucial quote, quote from Moral Revolution. They say, keep in mind that a company like Pornhub, the largest free online porn company in the world, has no, zero reliable age verification and process. And doesn't even ask the viewers to acknowledge that they are 18 before entering the site. Pornhub employees have actually expressed a company disdain for age verification systems because it would damage profits. The truth is, there are millions of young boys and girls being exposed to Pornhub's addictive and damaging content and to Pornhub, an adolescent is just another customer. End quote. Y'all, they don't care. Listen to me. The companies behind these apps and websites do not care about kids. They do not care. They do not care. But we do. And we should. 
we are the parents commanded by God to raise our kids in the knowledge of the Lord. I know you are not going to find scripture about allowing Instagram or Roblox. And, you know, it's not, you're not going to find a command about what age your child can be unsupervised on the internet. But as we said before, God's word is sufficient. Allowing our heads to be buried in the sand in regards to pornography is neglect. I, I mean, that might seem harsh, but I think it is neglect. It demonstrates an absolute lack of care for our children's souls and the lack of faith in God's plan and design for sex. God's word says flee from sexual immorality. And watching pornography is sexual immorality. That means you don't even go near it. It's not like, oh, I see it and now I need to run away. No, it's that you don't even go near it. You don't have the internet on your child's phone. You don't have apps that are going to give them exposure. Because watching porn is as equally as damaging as abusing a substance, such as a drug, right? This is precisely why the organization Fight the New Drug That's where it derives its name. The new drug that is addicting our kids is pornography. I mean, I know we did an episode on marijuana and you know that's all big and popular now too, but this is insidious. This is behind closed doors. It's that nine minutes on their phone that you'll never know about. It is is that new drug. Yep, yep. Uh, Yes, absolutely. Uh, A few years back, we reviewed a book um, called A Practical Guide to Culture. and we still give it two thumbs up. Yeah, good book. But this book, it's a great book. The authors quote Josh McDowell, who's a Christian apologist. And Josh says, quote, the question is not, will my kids watch porn? But how will they handle it when they do? And that question should not only sober us, but also arm us with the reality of what our children are facing. There is no way to precisely know what will go on in their hearts at that moment. Therefore, parents, we have to talk. We have to talk to them earlier. And more importantly, we can't freak out. Like, I don't know a single parenting quote, like expert who doesn't like agree with this. Not freaking out or being upset with a child is the key. Why? Because your child already knows it's bad. They know that they should not have seen this. Why? Because your child already knows um, that it's wrong. They already know this based on Romans 2, uh, 14 through 15. It tells us, God's word tells us that God's law is written on the hearts of every single human. There is a, a, a good and a bad written on every single human heart. and. Your son or daughter doesn't need to be shamed, but rather they have to have their hearts affirmed by the truth of scripture. Whatever is going on in their heart, scripture can correct it, can heal it, can rebuke it, can admonish it, can encourage it, like whatever, but it's all going to be rooted in God's truth. So how you handle the conversation is as important as the words you say. You have to know God's word and you have to stay patient and loving and kind and, um, and rooted in scripture. So this is your next do something, and this is prepare yourself for the almost inevitable conversation about pornography with your child. It will come like a thief in the night, like Jesus' second coming. I mean, your mind will be doing your own parenting life, and you know, you'll be like, oh, I'm so, this is awesome, I love it, and then wham, wham, the conversation is just going to happen right there and right then. You have to prepare yourself. You have to practice your reaction. And Kelly, I don't even think that it's so great a leap of craziness to think that maybe we should be practicing our like facial expressions in front of the mirror. I, I, 
I, I really <laughs> agree. I agree. I we, do, yeah. we talked about this, you know, before. And I do because I have been, I've had that moment where I have found out and you are, I'm horrified. I mean, like, it's just so sad. Like I said earlier, yeah. it's soul crushing. That's the way, yeah. that's the way it feels. I've been there already and it is soul yeah. crushing. So no, you right. need to make sure your face isn't in resting freak out mode. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Because yeah. it's going to yeah. come. What you're saying right yeah. here, it's inevitable. Yeah. It's going to come. Prepare. Prepare your calmness. It's true. <laughs> yes, it's true. And we're not, we're not advocating for stoicism, like don't have emotion. If you need to weep, I understand that because it is grievous. Mm-hmm. It is, it is, your child has seen something that is so outside and so far from what God has deemed good and right and true and it is that those images, like I said earlier, they, they are seared into the brain. You cannot get rid of that. You're going to have to fight. That child is going to have to fight those images the rest of his or her life. And for our listeners out there, I just really just take a moment and think about this. If your child already has a device or is around friends with devices and you're thinking, you could be thinking, and it's probably true, that the chances that they've already seen porn are really high. I mean, I just, it's, it's, it's almost, it's, it's, it's high. And the reason why they can say it's almost at seven years old right now is because a lot of it happens like on the school bus and that 11 year old who does Mm -hmm. have a phone gets a porn website and flips it around to the little kindergartner. Especially if they have older siblings, if they have older siblings, they can see it through that and it just gets down to younger and younger ages. Yes. And I just first, I want to, I want you to know that you're not alone as a parent. You may feel isolated and embarrassed, but that's just what the the that's just what Satan does. He wants us to feel isolated and alone. And you're just not. There is no temptation out there that is not common to man. That's that's in First Corinthians, First Corinthians ten, I believe. But you can't keep your head buried in the sand. You've got to prepare yourself, and you've got to prepare a time this week, this week, to have a conversation about pornography with your child, because chances mm-hmm. are, if they have a device, they've already been exposed. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you just have to almost like kind of break that seal, like break, the, <laughs> break that barrier yeah, the first time and just start talking yeah. about it. Let it, be, let it become something that's normal. Um, it is super awkward. But once you can actually begin saying the word porn without like embarrassment for both you and your child, um, yeah. we have several friends of ours who are walking through this right now. And um, many can say like, not only is there relief once you have that conversation with your child. Um, but then it becomes like this open door where you can have conversations about it. And that is, yeah. that is a gift from God and God can do that. Yeah. He can give you, yeah. he can give you that. <clears throat> okay. Mm-hmm. So now I would like to touch on the pornography doesn't hurt anybody lie. Um, we just need to unravel it because this very real truth is it does hurt others, as mm-hmm. we've said before. And one of the very disturbing trends of pornography as seen today is child pornography. And we're not talking about children viewing pornography. We're talking about the the videos including children. Now listen, you may think that oh this isn't a real thing and or that means it's a conspiracy theory. But we have you know there's a lot of mounting data. Um and here's a couple we're going to point to a couple documentaries here that we that can really help open your eyes and expose some of this. These are um real testimonies of of people and how it's affected them. So um, Magic Lantern Pictures have produced these. Um, one is titled Barely Legal. The other is titled Raised on Porn. We're going to link these in the show notes. They are available on YouTube for free. Um, it doesn't take up tons of your time. 
Um, I will say that pray beforehand before you watch it. It um, it's not explicit, but it's it's hard on your heart. It's it's gut wrenching. I mean, it's it's just real, but it's the truth. This is what's happening. This is what's going on, and um, they're both just honest and sobering realities of how pornography harms everyone, especially children. And um, another you know piece of evidence that I know really motivated us to do this podcast. It's just been on our hearts for such a long time is the National Center on Sexual Sexual Exploitation's Dirty Dozen list. They listed Etsy. You know, Etsy, like where we order our fun, like crafty things from Etsy. Yeah. They listed it as number two on the Dirty Dozen list because you know what was found all over that? Child sex dolls. I, I'm not even lying. No. They are selling homemade, handcrafted, whatever, sex dolls of children. And one seller even boasted that his doll was modeled after a 14-year-old TikTok star. Mm-mm. And when the shop owner was also asked if he could um, or would make a doll after pictures that would be emailed to him, he said, yes, of course. <laughs> I'm going to link in the show notes to the NCOSE's evidence that they found against Etsy. They, they cover up the images, you know, with like black bars and stuff like that. But it's shocking. And um, you can kind of see how vile this issue really is. So this brings us to our next do something right here, right now, is to watch these documentaries, um, to share them with a friend if you've seen them, maybe watch them with your spouse, uh, talk about them. Um, you know, you can easily share that link with someone um, over text, over social media. And also um, check out the Dirty Dozen list, not just the Etsy, but you can see how all of their 12 you know, top businesses are contributing to the sexual exploitation of people. It's, it's terrible. And you know, several of the companies are the social media platforms you know, that our kids are on. Um, but one of them, you know, when you see Etsy on there and you're like, what? You realize there's a lot going on that we as Christians might not realize because we're not in that realm and that world. So we're going to link those resources in the show notes um, for that do something. Okay, referring to a Moral Revolution article, they say, quote, teen porn is one of the most searched categories on Pornhub. They say, quote, that the search result will result in videos that are constantly being added, edit faster than any individual could watch them. Many of the girls look 13 years old at best, end quote. So we know that if there's a demand that traffickers, exploiters, pornographers, they're going to create the supply by any means necessary. So the fact that these are the most, most videos being uploaded, because on Pornhub, you can also upload your own homemade pornography. This is what's, this is what's happening, is they're meeting the demand. Teens are the most commonly searched category on Pornhub. How? How can teens be doing, you know, right? Okay, so uh, we cannot take the issue of human trafficking and separate it from pornography because the two are completely intertwined. Children are being trafficked and sexually abused, sexually assaulted, and this should grieve the heart of all humanity, right? Most people say, oh, human trafficking is terrible, but can we? Se- you can't separate it from pornography. Like, so you have to say that both are terrible. I don't think any of us can fathom 
what's going on in the heart of those committing these atrocities. But there is no, absolutely no doubt that these children, even if they are teens, are willingly consenting. They, there's no way, because we also mentioned the violence. We're going to go into that in just a minute. Um, but another thing I want our listeners to consider is it's, it's something that most of us as parents don't also see coming. But it's like one of these progressive letters in the alphabet. You know, it's the B to Y yeah. before A to Z. And it's, it's almost happening because some legislators are already requesting it. And that is the lowering of the legal age of consent. I'm sorry. So, I, just, mm. I know. So everyone needs to think about this. If legislation, these are two different topics, but we can, we can kind of relate them right here. If legislation is going to allow a child to decide if he or she can mutilate through surgical procedures their body and transition into the opposite gender without parental consent, what is going to stop legislation and the powers who write the laws from believing that if a child can choose that, they can also choose what age to consent to sex? I mean, they, they, you, we can kind of see how these things sort of just happen without, you know, it's that progression from the alphabet. Um, they've already renamed pedophiles to be minor attracted persons in order to change the negative stereotype and an attempt to normalize their sick behaviors of adults having sex with children. Mm-mm. No, and that is like putting lipstick on a pig and calling it a supermodel. I am sorry, but no, absolutely not. <laughs> it's disgusting. It, no, it's most, disgusting. Most people, most Christians, this is they're going to respond with, oh, this is disgusting. But th- that's why we have to have these do something steps because you can't just say that it's terrible and say that it's horrific or disgusting and do nothing. So without a doubt, all of this flies in the face of how God views children. Arguably, it was God who gave us the category of children. He's Mm -hmm. the one who puts qualifiers on how the vulnerable people, like women and children, are to be treated. Mm -hmm. If you were to take a bird's eye view of other nations that surrounded Israel during the Old Testament, you would see child sacrifice and child brides. And this was common. And, and God spoke clearly about this child sacrifice and how it was an abomination. He is the one who calls children precious. He calls them a blessing. He tells parents, like throughout the New Testament, to not exasperate their children, but to love them. He admonishes parents to teach them about him and his ways and to protect children, right? That all of that protection of children exists because of God's command. The treatment qualifiers that God set in place on vulnerable people, right? This is a common grace to the whole world. It wasn't like, oh, just do this for Christian children. No, it's the whole world. Unbelieving people can still experience a non-salvific form of grace because this is just how God loves the world. All children are to be protected in this. Mm. Kelly, that is such a good word. Such a good word. I mean, I wish I wish we could I wish we could spend the entire show talking about how children are becoming the focal point of the porn industry because it is, it's actually even more insidious than what we've just kind of like scratched the surface on. But unfortunately, we can't stop it, kids. We have to move on to our second topic, and that's violence. Now, sadly, we are not going to move too far away because violence in children are actually very much intermingling. 
The porn that people can access for free on the internet is the most violent, degrading, and repulsive kind of porn available. The free stuff is worse. Let me Mm -hmm. say that again. Mm -hmm. The free stuff your child can find is worse. So this is quoting Moral Revolution again. They did an interview with a survivor who was trafficked into porn. Quote, I was caught in the middle of that cold system of supply and demand as a 14-year-old girl. And the brutality of those three years of being trafficked in porn nearly killed me. I was not filmed in a pedophile's darkened apartment alone. I was filmed on a full set of cameras, crew, and, quote, performers. I call them performers that you will understand who I mean, but you should know that all of it was real. The sex, the violence, the torture, and the fear and pain in my eyes and in my screams were 100% real, end quote. Let's just think about those last five words. My screams were 100% real. Nothing is scripted. There aren't women who are willing to consent to this type of violence inflicted on them. They are being held hostage. They are being hooked on drugs so that when they need their next fix, they come back to their traffickers and the need for the drugs enables them to endure any and every abuse. Mm. And every day, men and women watched her abuse for pleasure fight the new drug also states i i just i cannot for that like i kelly i just oh there's no words Mm -hmm. there aren't that yes fight the new drug says quote by watching scene after scene of dehumanizing or violent content it can start to seem normal. In fact, research indicates that porn consumers are more likely to sexually objectify and dehumanize others, more likely to express an intent to rape, less likely to intervene during a sexual assault, and more likely to victim blame survivors of sexual assault, more likely to support violence against women, more likely to forward sex without consent, and more likely to commit acts of sexual violence end quote Mm. continuing in another article from fight the new drug quote in 2016 a team of leading researchers performed a meta-analysis of quality studies on the connection between porn and sexual violence after analyzing relevant studies on the topic they concluded that the research left little doubt that on the average individuals who consume porn more frequently are more likely to hold attitudes conducive to sexual aggression and engage in acts of sexual aggression, end quote. Now, what's really noteworthy about that research is that I just, when I hear this violence, you know, violence against children, all this stuff, I immediately think about how people say that violent video games lead to violent children and violent acts. But they've done research, and I've read a lot of that research because I Mm -hmm. kind of want to feel like maybe that's true, but the research has not found that to be true even though it may be true for some people in some cases, but overall, right? The overall arching research mm-hmm. does not say that that is a true claim. But this, what you just read, Chelsea, says that violent pornography consumption does lead to these attitudes. Like the research has proven that it's leading you to attitudes of behavior of sexual aggression. This is so grievous. It must grieve the heart of God that our actions are leading us to worse and worse behaviors. Absolutely. I know. And I think we need to clarify for our listeners that we're not saying that every single person who watches porn is going to go out and rape someone. That's not what we are saying. But what we are saying is that it is safe to assume that porn is increasing the normalization of violence against women. 
And what's crazy is, uh, I mean, there's a lot of feminists out there that are really, really angry with the way violence is demeaning women. I will say I think feminism has brought us to this point because they told women, hey, you can have the sexual you know, stamina as a man and you just need to, you know, express yourself and blah, blah, blah. But now they're reaping the whirlwind of what they've sown, right? Like that's just, that's what's going on. But there are a lot of feminists out there that are really angry about this too. And I actually want to reference an Allie Beth Stuckey podcast number 674. Allie interviews a feminist who advocates for a Christian sexual ethic to be preserved in society because she sees it's the only way to kind of like um, to get rid of this chaos and this confusion and this anger and this um, this very negative view of sex is, hey, a Christian sexual ethic. Well, I mean, I don't I just I I would recommend listening to it. Yeah, I'm shocked that a Christian sexual ethic would be good for all of humanity. But no, I'm saying that with tongue in cheek. Yeah. I think you guys should listen to it. It was a really, really good episode. And I think we're going to link it in the show notes. So mm-hmm. I also um, wanted to make a point here. Because as you're talking about this, um, you know, I'm thinking and remembering several instances where um, young women I work with, um, college age, um, mm-hmm. in my actual um, career job, I work with a lot of college age, 18 to 30 age, 30 years old age women. Um, several over the course of my 21-year career have confided in me and sought counsel regarding boyfriends who got physically aggressive during intercourse, um, is going far as being punched, having a black eye. Um, and so to me, this is not a, just a statistic or even hyperbole um, from anti-porn organizations you know, that we're supporting or whatever. This is reality. This is happening to young women who I know in, in my life. And I think about that. And I think, is this crazy? Am I crazy? Like, is no one else seeing this correlation between this like hashtag me too movement and pornography? How on earth can we live in such a false dichotomy where we prosecute men for sexual harassment, coercion and assault, and we don't link it to pornography? And, or even the consent, like how can you, women are, you know, consenting one night, but then the next day they wake up and then, then they're just deciding that, I'm going to remove that consent. And now it was assault. Like, it's just this weird world. <laughs> it's just this very, very weird world. And, um, and I know that the feminists see this and the Christians see this, but um, it's like, who was trying to bring big porn down for this? Because it's all correlated. Okay, so I'll let you get back, back to your notes. But I just thought, you know, this is just, this is real. This is not just facts that we're reporting from some websites. I've, I've experienced this and that it's very sad. Yeah. I'm going to echo what you said earlier about God's God's common grace to humanity and the protection that he's placed on vulnerable people like women and children. There are cases of women who have been able to escape this industry and have come to the saving knowledge of Christ. You can actually read some of those testimonies on moral revolution. Um, As Christians, as our brothers and sisters in Christ use pornography for sexual pleasure, it's very possible that they're violating a future brother or sister in Christ. I mean, but even more to the point, sexually abusing your body at the cost of any other image bearer, any mm-hmm. image bearer is abhorrent, but a future brother in Christ or future brother and sister in Christ? Yeah. No, we need to remember that God has created these people. He created the people who are in the industry. He's created you and me. He's created everyone. And every single creation of humanity was a delight to him. He delighted in that creation. 
And if we are using and abusing our bodies for another person, it is wrong. The violence grieves the heart of God. The exploitation grieves the heart of God. The pleasure sought by consumers grieves the heart Mm -hmm. of God. And the Bible says that when we repeat a sin over and over again, we harden our hearts to God. I'm going to list two passages from among many about the hardness of the heart. But the first one is actually just, it's kind of like a call to action, isn't it, Kelly? It's from Hebrews. And the writer of Hebrews says, Take care, brethren, that there is n- that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. And if I'm not mistaken, Kelly, today is still today, isn't it? It's I mean, a new day. God's today. Mercy, it's it is still a called new today. <laughs> day. Yes. God's mercy is today. And it is a great mercy that we are given another day to turn and repent or to seek out our brothers and sisters in Christ and to help them because sin's deceitfulness, it will harden our hearts. That's what Hebrews just told us. Mm-hmm. And there are we're unraveling that lie that it doesn't hurt anyone, that it's okay as long as it's just you, your computer, your laptop or whatever, and yourself. But no, it's a lie. There is a deceit in that that is hardening our hearts hardening our hearts, maybe even if we're not actually using because we've bought into the lie that it's okay, it doesn't hurt anyone. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, I want you to listen to Isaiah as he speaks to the nation of Judah. Isaiah has just witnessed the destruction of Israel, that's the northern tribes, to Assyria because of their unrepentant sin. And now he's watching the people in Judah refuse to repent and turn back to God. The people of Israel have synchronized their faith and their, world, their, their lifestyle with the nations around them. They are sacrificing children to the god Molech and, and other gods. They're fornicating in the middle of public under the oak trees. They are doing abominable practices that God has told them they should not do. And this is what Isaiah says to the people of, um, of Judah. Render the hearts of this people insensitive their ears dull and their eyes dim. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and return and be healed. God is due worship in our purity. And if we are being taken captive by human philosophies and human ideologies that have no place for the people of God, our hearts are hardened and we cannot hear him, see him, or perceive him. Repeated exposure to violent pornography normalizes the violence so that we become, we come to a place like that young lady said earlier, where her screams go unheard. All of the adults were around her. They didn't care that she was screaming in fear and pain. They didn't hear her. Their hearts were insensitive, which made their ears dull and their eyes dim. They were desensitized to the violence in their hearts. But what about us? What about users? What about the users who are watching? Don't they see her pain and hear it? Mm-hmm. Don't they recognize it? Perhaps they did, maybe the first or second time they watched, but now they're caught up in their own personal pleasure and they're focused on themselves. 
they're caught up in a personal pleasure and they're so focused on themselves that they can't even call what they see for what it is and it's violence. And they can't even recognize how their sin grieves God's heart. Mm -hmm. Now, Kelly, we mentioned something pretty critical earlier in our episode, and the that's the age of regular usage or or even addiction. And I think we can call it addiction because now we know we have enough information to confirm mm -hmm. that porn physically transforms the brain like a drug addiction. Yeah. And this leads us to our third topic, neuroplasticity, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, this can kind of be like the downside as well as the hope. Uh <laughs> Yeah. It, the downside is that, um, you know, the brain does change with pornography, but um, the, the good side is that God made our brain changeable so that he too can fix it. So let's dive into this a little bit, right? So pornography yeah. stimulates the reward center in the brain and hijacks it like a drug. We've already talked about that being like a drug. Dopamine, which is the pleasure chemical, it floods the brain during use and the brain starts developing a preference for what is happening. And then the brain creates a feedback loop. And that leads us to seek out that stimulus over and over again. You might be wondering, well, what makes something addictive, right? Can, can porn actually be classified as addictive if it just creates a dopamine flood? Because lots of things do. Lots of things like candy or even so-called runner's high, you know, like after you finish a marathon, Chelsea. You know, mm, I know what that's like. Do you? <laughs> I don't think you do. That's funny. The, the, answer, the answer is yes, right? Under normal circumstances... Um, the prefrontal cortex, that front part of our brain, is able to mitigate the consequences of something that feels really good. You know what it's like when you get a bag of M&Ms. Who eats just one? No one, right? Not, not me. But if you get the know. small not one, me. you eat the whole bag generally. But what if you get that, that giant resealable big sharing bag of M&Ms, right? Something's going to click in your brain before you eat that entire bag. And this is what we're talking about. There is something in your brain that like, puts the brakes on and helps you mitigate the consequences of something that feels really good. Um, another example may be if like you're watching Netflix, um, you're kind of binging a series and it's getting late, you got to work in the morning, you know, your brain might think, oh, one more episode. But then the other part of your brain is like, hey, you got to work in the morning. And if you finish it all tonight, what are you going to do tomorrow night? You know, your brain <laughs> works through these issues and your prefrontal cortex kicks in and helps you reason against that flood of dopamine. But what happens in porn? abuse is called hyperfrontality. And that's where the prefrontal cortex does not function like it should. So Fight the New Drug says this about porn and the brain, quote, under normal circumstances, your prefrontal cortex would disrupt unhealthy patterns, just like we just said. Many will notice intensifying cravings and recognize the potential for the unhealthy habit and change their behavior accordingly. But a sizable percentage of porn consuming population will struggle to understand the level of risk or to control their impulses, right? We talked about self-control. It's so important. It starts with the early stuff when they're young with masturbation. So this impaired decision-making ability is known as hypofrontality. Hypo meaning less than normal and frontal referring to your prefrontal cortex. So as the name implies, hyperfrontality involves a decreased frontal control of the brain's impulses. In some cases, brain scans have actually shown decreased frontal brain matter. Now, this is such an important key to the addictive experience. It's actually considered one of the four main markers for addiction. So you have hyperfrontality, sensitization, desensitization, and dysfunctional stress. So in other words, for something to be considered addictive, 
it must show or cause show to be cause hypofrontality. Kelly, can I just like interject super quickly? I just parents, yeah. I really want you to understand uh, parents, especially kids who are younger than 14, please hear me as a counselor. It is much, much easier to prevent porn exposure than it is to treat the addiction. Mm-hmm. You have to start talking about God's design for male and female marriage and sex. The truth is we know that they're going to be exposed to it, but they don't necessarily have to become addicted if we have been pouring God's truth into them. The question is never if they'll be exposed, but when. And we have so much more influence on the when by holding back screen time and social media and gaming, honestly, like you mentioned the the consoles for Xbox and PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Trust me as a counselor that the battle to prevent may seem brutal. It may seem agonizing. But the treatment of this addiction is even worse. Mm, Please love your kids well. Love them well and hold back as much as you possibly can. Sorry. Thanks for that blip there, Kelly. Oh, of course. Yeah, no, it's truth. Prevention, or at least staving off the exposure, is as much or much easier than the treatment. That's an excellent point, Chelsea. Thank you for that. And when, when it's being given to children or young adults without that developed prefrontal lobe, it's honestly like handing them a loaded gun and hoping they don't shoot themselves, giving a toddler, uh, you know, a running chainsaw and hoping that they're not bleeding. I mean, you, we have to understand this changes our kids' brains, especially when they're not already developed. Um, wives who have husbands who regularly abuse porn will absolutely tell you that they are different people with the porn addiction. They're not the same person that they were before. And that is the brain changes. So, but Thank God, praise the Lord. He offers this neuroplasticity for transformation, um, for renewal, for restoration. So let's look at what the Word of God says about the same neuroplasticity that can harm us can also transform us. Romans 12, 1 through 2. In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, right? Because this is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Colossians 3.2 says, set your minds on things that are above, not things on earth. Ezekiel 36.26, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove your heart of stone from flesh, from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Romans 8, 6, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, whatever there is of excellence, right? Whatever is worthy of praise, think about these things. Oh, I love that verse. Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Or even as the hymnist says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And I could keep going on, but we see the theme that is here, and it's that hearts and minds can be sinfully driven towards the flesh, but they, the hearts and minds can also be softened, renewed, guarded, restored re, you know, through Christ. When we set our eyes on him, surrender to him, meditate on his word, worship him, you know, the work of the Holy Spirit is of sanctification and transformation. 
the brain that can be molded into porn addiction can be remolded into an obsession with sharing the gospel. Y'all, our God is magnificent and he is both creator and recreator. The gospel changes every single thing about you. Mm, That is so nice. You need to say it twice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We know Mm -hmm. it. The gospel changes everything. And we need to believe that more and more every day. The gospel should change every facet of your day, from washing those dishes to abstaining from sexual immorality, everything. So parents, let me repeat Paul in 2 Corinthians 7.1. Since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. This is that fear of God. Because we trust and fear God, we are going to obey his word. He doesn't want to just fix our behaviors. He wants to change our hearts. Hmm. Hmm. Yes, I absolutely believe that God desires for every single one of us to grow in holiness, which means we will look less and less like the world. Satan is the great imitator. He is the gr- he is the father of lies, and he says if you focus on this porn and on this this instant gratification, that you will you will thrive in this. But God says, no, focus on me. Focus on me because I will change your heart. I will set my spirit in you. You will walk by the spirit. You will have peace and understanding. Like there are so many promises. These promises, dear friends. Oh, it is so good. So, so good. Let's just reset. Let's holiness is to be defined as being set apart. Friends, brothers, sisters, mm-hmm. we are called to be set apart. We cannot look like the world. We should not look like the world because the world needs to see something different in us. The world needs to see Christ in us. And there is no um, there is no way that individual holiness will ever look like the world. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just keep thinking of of First John. You know, the it's oh, such a good it's a, such a good letter, but it really is about Christian behavior mm-hmm. and how we can't have one foot rooted in the world and another foot rooted in Scripture. It just doesn't it doesn't work that way, right? So this brings us to our final do something. If you know someone who is consuming pornography and needs help, we absolutely recommend a biblical counselor of the same gender. If this is something that isn't like a big issue, but you still want to ensure it doesn't become a problem in your marriage, then we recommend accountability apps such as Covenant Eyes or Accountable to You. God can absolutely transform your mind and restore its, um, its former patterns, but you cannot do this alone. You need a mentor. You need a guide. You need an, abil- uh, an accountability partner, but you need your Savior and mm-hmm. you need the Spirit and you need the Father and you need the Word. And you need all of that. You cannot do this alone. It doesn't work that way. And I know that this has been, or I know that this can be just a lot of heavy lifting, kind of like our time together. So let me just sum up some of this together as we prepare to wrap up this episode of the Brave Parenting Podcast. First, the stats of pornography use in the church are almost equal to those of the world, which simply means that God's people are not growing corporately in holiness. Each of us needs to take a deep, deep look at God's word about his desire for purity and our understanding of purity. He is faithful and just to help us if we truly desire to grow Mm -hmm. in holiness. And what I mean is he will show us where we are sinking our faith with the world and his word as Timothy, 1 Timothy 3.16 says, his word will correct, rebuke, admonish, 
teach us. Mm-hmm. It will do everything that we need. It will judge our hearts and intentions. That's from Hebrews. His word is there as a guide. As the psalmist would say, it is a lamp to our feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is everything. Yeah. Also, summing up, um, pornography addiction is creating a supply and demand of the most abusive and degrading practices within society. The industry absolutely hates humanity. They hate men, women, and children. I know we focused a lot on the way that women and children are being trafficked and downright tortured, really, we could say in some of these videos. Um, But what about the men it appeals to? The men are being influenced to assume women enjoy this type of abuse. The men are being taken uh, taken advantage of just as easily, hijacked, right, into um, these sort of fanatics who can no longer reason. Right? It's it's sad. It really must grieve our heart. Pornography is brainwashing and destroying society as a whole. So therefore, we as believers, um, not only for our own lives but for our children's lives, as we parent children, we've got to do something. So, Chelsea, go ahead and just do a quick recap of our do somethings. I am going to link these all in the show notes, but um, go ahead and recap them. Okay. So our first do something is to check all the devices that connect to the internet in your home to ensure that the boundaries and blocks are in place to stop pornography from coming through. Go through even the browser histories to see if there's already a present issue that needs to be addressed. Our second um, do something, which actually just applies to every single one of these, it really and does. it honestly mm-hmm. should have been our first, but it's just the way that we laid out this episode is to pray. Pray for the Holy Spirit to lead God's people into repentance and healing from porn addiction. Pray that the Lord would open the eyes of the blind and bring the world, um, bring the world of of destructive pornography into the light for that for all of society to see. Um, the third one is begin a conversation about God's view of masturbation with your husband and your Christian friends and challenge the belief that it's normal and healthy. Our next do something was to have a conversation with your child about masturbation. If they are saved and are following Jesus, implore them to seek God's heart and wisdom on their own. The best thing for their own faith is to allow the Lord to work, not to make any other rule that they have to follow. Mm-hmm. Our next do something was to watch one or all of the documentaries that we recommended and we'll link them in the show notes and then share it with a friend or even on social media. But let's get this conversation started. Our next do something was to prepare yourself for the inevitable conversation with your child. Practice empathizing, um, practice calmness. What are you going to say? What questions will you ask? What scripture will you have written down and almost memorized? Mm-hmm. How are you going to have them read God's word? That's one of the best practices I can tell you when you're pra- when you're talking with your kid and be like, oh, well, that's super interesting. Can you read this for me? And have them read God's God's word. It does not return void. Let's just, let's, let's root ourselves in that and believe it. Um, our next do something was um, be the brave relative or friend who confronts someone um, you know who's consu- consuming porn with conviction and compa- compassion. The hope of Jesus Christ and the resources that we provide are stepping stones to um, to to breaking free from this. It's sla- enslavement is what it is, breaking free of enslavement. So please check out Covenant Eyes and Accountable to You for internet accountability services. We absolutely recommend them. And of course, also, please share this podcast with a friend or on social media. Kelly and I do not mind being the the people who help get this conversation started at all. Um, we, we want to be there for you guys to love you and encourage you. Um, you will definitely want to check out the show notes for links to all the references that we've mentioned. 
We also want to share some incredible resources that are helpful if you need more than this podcast. The first off is if you're a person who needs help, then pause us. Pause us and go directly right now. Do not squelch the spirit to www.biblicalcounseling.com. At the top, click find a counselor, then type in your zip code and start counseling immediately. Do not wait. It is still today, like we reference from Hebrews, and none of us can guarantee that we have tomorrow. None of us. And maybe you're not actually using per se, but maybe you need a little tightening up in this area. Maybe you're like, you know what? Yeah, even just like movies that kind of give me that squishy feeling. Yeah, I, I, I'm getting convicted of that lust in my heart. You just need some help. You need some guidance about how to have these conversations with your kids. These are counselors, men and women who are committed to walking alongside of you, to mentoring you, to helping you. And they absolutely will stand firm in doctrinal truth. And if for some reason you cannot find a counselor in your area, please contact either myself or Kelly and we will get you in contact with a certified biblical counselor because we got some connections, y'all. Yeah. We do. <laughs> yeah. <Back>. And, and <laughs> it's important to, to note that not every um, a Christian counselor is not the same as a biblical counselor. Yes. Um, you'll very often find Christian counselors but are, who are very progressive and they may absolutely, they would, they would not testify to these same truths of doctrinal truths. They would not um, confess that you know masturbation is bad or that pornography is bad. So um, it's important that you get a biblical counselor. So also there are um, books that we'd like to share that are just biblically sound and are really helpful. Sometimes that might be a good first step for some people. The first is called Finally Free, Fighting for Purity with the Power of Grace. This is by Heath Lambert. We mentioned it earlier. He's a biblical counselor. And um, he his book on overcoming pornography addiction is a real helpful resource, whether you use that as a tool um, or just read it for information's sake. It's really great. Another resource, um, two books actually by the same author, Deepak Reju, I think is how you say that. Um, the first one is called Rescue Skills, Essential Skills for Restoring the Sexually Broken. Um, it's a guide if you want to walk alongside of a friend or a son or a daughter or anyone really um, and discipling them through their sin. There can be a lot of fallout when someone confesses this sin to you. Maybe you just have no clue what to do because the words like addiction seem very overwhelming. This is a great book to help you with that. And has a companion book um, to that is called Rescue Plan, Charting a Course to Restore Prisoners of Pornography. Um, this is a book that already has a plan laid out for you. Um, if you want to help walk someone to freedom um, through pornography, this is a great resource. So thank you, Chelsea, for bringing those resources um, together um, for, for helping me. We've, this has taken months um, for us to, to walk through and then try and prepare. And it's been really long. And so if you're still with us, thank you so much for hanging in there. We thought about breaking it up. And really, we just thought that one podcast, even though it was long, was just better. So it is our hope that we pointed you back to Christ throughout all of our time together. And I want to end on um, a note of hope and reassurance of who our God is and what He can accomplish. This is from A.W. Tozer's book, The Attributes of God, Volume 1. Tozer is amazing. And he says this, quote, all men are recipients of God's mercy. Don't think for a minute that when you presented and came from the swine pen to the Father's house, that mercy began to operate. No, mercy had been ongoing operation. Lamentations 3.22 says, it is the Lord's mercies. We are not consumed because his compassions fail not. The cruel dictator is a recipient of the mercy of God. The wicked murderer is a recipient of God's mercy. 
And the blackest heart that lies in the lowest wallow in the country is a recipient of God's mercy. That doesn't mean they'll be saved or converted and finally reach heaven, but it means that God is holding up his justice because he's having mercy. He is waiting because a savior died. And all of us are recipients of the mercies of God. Mm. Kelly, that is such a good word to leave our listeners on. None of us deserve this day. That none of us, none of us has earned it. None of us deserves it. So brothers and sisters, run, run to the throne today because it is another day of mercy. It is another day to turn and repent. It is another day to give him the worship he is due. And when we confess, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's 1 John 1, 9. He can do amazing and wonderful things in our hearts when we draw near to him for help and rescue. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Reach out to us at podcast at braveparenting.net. Um, if you need help in any way that we can help you provide, get these resources in your hands, um, just lead you in a way, share this podcast, um, share the resources that we have provided um, with fellow believers so that together we can tackle this beast of online pornography with the power of Jesus Christ. Thank you for hanging in there with me. Um, until next time, friends, go and be brave. We'll see you next time.